Hi, everyone. Hi. Welcome to the Grid is for Squares. I'm Vince. I'm Amy. And this is a podcast where we talk about building a sustainable off-the-grid homestead in California. We also get high. Yes. Uh, <laughs> while we talk about it. So what are we smoking today? This is a nice sativa. Uh, I think it's just orange sativa. Let me check. Very generic. Orange cookies. Orange cookies. So last episode, uh, we were very excited about the yurt platform that we built. Still are. Yeah. Um, if you haven't seen the time-lapse video yet, you should totally check it out. I'm very proud of it, um, both of the work that we did and the editing, video editing work that I did. <laughs> you can find us at Grid is for Squares on YouTube. So far, that's the only video, but you can also just search for it. But I think if you search 16-foot yurt platform time-lapse, we're the first the first thing We're the first. Up. Wow. Is uh, that just because we recently posted or is I, th I it think that just niche? because specifically 16 foot and specifically time lapse and, you know, okay. it, it covers all of the bases. There's no that one are... like us. I mean, there's lots of time lapse yeah. videos of your platforms mm -hmm. and your building on YouTube. Yeah. But this one, if you search 16 foot your platform time lapse, that is us. You really did a really good job. It wasn't easy making the time lapse, um, but... It's it. nice to be able to show people like what we did and show ourselves what yeah. we did. You know, it's very rewarding to see four hour, four days rather of work compressed into three minutes. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that four days thing because I always feel really intimidated and daunted when I see people like say they did a project in a weekend. Like we built a garage in a weekend. I'm just like, how can you possibly do that? So now you can see firsthand the way we work. And you can see why, you know, maybe something like this would take us four whole days. You watch the sunrise and the sunset yeah. a few times in the video. Yeah, my sister, who isn't really that into any of this, um, she watched the video and her comment was, it's cool how you can see the shadows move. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, it is kind of cool to see the passage of time that, that clearly, because it took mm -hmm. us four whole days. Um, um, and a little background, um, I've, I've worked in construction most of my adult life, as you know, and I'm used to like things being built like that can be fast, cheap, or well. And it can be two out of three of those things. Um, and it's the same thing in film production. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Or with all things with in life. All you can things, do it fast, yeah. cheap, or well. And we're kind of in Choose a place in two. our lives right now that, yeah, we're choosing well. Well and cheap. Cheap. Yeah. 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 Insofar as you can, you mm -hmm. know, we did buy all new lumber we didn't yeah. get any reclaimed lumber or anything like that i think that would have been the only way we could have made it cheaper yeah and we did all our own labor right but this kind of brings us to today's topic which is money yeah so the next obvious step now that we have this platform is to buy the yurt mm -hmm. but we're not sure if we can or should yet and the only thing stopping us is money and that's so stressful and so annoying it's such a powerless feeling you know like we can work so hard and break such a sweat mm -hmm. and do so many things ourselves. I would walk there if I had to, you know, I'd do <laughs> right. anything to make it cheaper. But. Right. But you can't, we can't just summon money out of nothing. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's so frustrating. So, so all of that said, today's topic is money because yeah. it is a real factor in building anything, but including building the kind of like off the grid homestead that we want to build Everyone can relate to money woes. Yeah. Um, we hate it. We hate talking about it and we hate thinking about it. And we want to live in a world where money doesn't determine like your worth or your safety. Yeah. Like GoFundMe where is not a health plan. Yeah. 
Yeah. Where you can live or what you can eat or like worse, like the future you can provide for your right. children and that there are kids who are just not born with the same opportunity as other kids all because of, of money. It's also so stigmatized for some reason, like everybody has to deal with this, but we're all kind of isolated from each other. And as you know, on this show, we try to break down those barriers. Mm -hmm. We try not to be embarrassed or ashamed about anything because we find everybody out there is dealing with the same kind of things we are. At turns, I feel embarrassed or ashamed of how much and how little money we have, Mm -hmm. you know? And we'll get into this later, but there's so many people out there that couldn't have done what we've done already by any, like, there's just no way they're living day to day. And then there are other people who do what we have done, like in a weekend Mm -hmm. and they just throw money at it and then it's built and it's beautiful. And we feel bad that we're not living up to that either. And so it's, but there's no reason to feel stigmatized or embarrassed or ashamed about any of it because it's just numbers Mm -hmm. and it's just made up and stupid. And oh my God, I hate capitalism so much. I hate it so much. Not only how generational and racist it is, Mm -hmm. but like it seems particularly in our culture, like your ability to move around numbers and create more wealth out of numbers is more val like stockbrokers or bank yeah. managers or CEOs or accountants or whatever. I look at it as real versus unreal. Assets. Yeah, the more and, real what you're doing is the less real value it has. Right, like producing food, for example, yeah. doesn't seem to be very valuable. And we, you know, we've had arguments about this, like what qualifies as a real mm-hmm. job. Yeah. You know, are people who work in banks not working right. hard? You know, sure. Well, I had to go to school for ten years, and I got you know fifty thousand dollars, five hundred thousand dollars in debt. Right. And it's like, well, I had to and go that's work. That's fucked too. Yeah, that's fucked too. But I had to go work in the mines when I was thirteen, and now I got black lung. Right, and. <laughs> I guess the point is we should all not have to worry about taking care of our bodies and our mental health. Yeah. And it's pretty frustrating that we do. So, And that that so much of that is dependent on how much money you have. Right. Which is determined by who your family was or how you choose to sell your time in Mm -hmm. one way versus in another way. Yeah. Yeah. And we're not supposed to talk about it. (laughs) The rich don't want us to. The powers that be don't want us to talk to each other about this because then we'll start to realize, oh, you know, I work just as hard as my neighbor here, but, you know, I make 10 times more, 10 times less. And like, whoa, maybe, maybe none of it means anything. And I think that's, that would be the true economic collapse when people really realize that money is just pretend, (laughs) has no real value. Right. Yeah. Um, I think that's part of why the stock market is so volatile and like that whole industry because you can't see it. It's not real. real. Yeah, yeah. You're like bidding on futures or you're bidding on somebody else's failure. Right. Like just listen to your heart. You know that ain't right. So there are jobs that we could have had up to this point where we would be able to build a more impressive homestead for sure. Yeah. But you just... You only get one life, you know, True. 40, even if you're just working 40 hours a week and both of us have worked, most of the jobs we've worked have been more than 40 hours a week. Mm-hmm. It's just like that, that's your life. That becomes your whole life. Selling your labor is your life. Mm-hmm. When do you get to live? And you can like tell everyone that, you know, that you've got a job and how successful you are at your job. And like, that's kind of how you, you, what you use to justify your existence And, you know, at the expense of having a personal life, and I'm just speaking from experience, like when I have a 40, 50 hour a week job, it it defines me and I don't need to be anybody else outside of work. I can totally justify myself based on money. 
And right. like, yeah, that's another, you know, problem with our society that like, if you've got a job, it'll get people off your back. Right. You know, they'll think you're legit, you're doing fine, you don't have any problems, you know, you've got your life together, but like, that's not all that defines you. Yeah. But if we hadn't sold our time for that as many years as we did, we wouldn't have been able to save the money yeah. to buy this property. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's the world we live in. Complicated. Anyway, we're hoping to be self-sufficient eventually. Um, and we're hoping to lean on communal living where we all, you know, throw our talents and labor together. Mm-hmm. And living off the land. But until we're at the point where it's sustainable, that just feels like a pipe dream. It feels impossibly far off to, to yeah. shake the cap, you know, the shackles of capitalism. Mm-hmm. It feels like something that's never really going to be possible as much as we want it. And ironically, we need money to reach that right. point. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so that's a lot of us <laughs> talking about how we feel about capitalism. So let's talk a little bit more specifically about our property and what we've been able to do and and what people might expect if they're trying to do something similar. What's like a base price for a homestead? I, so I did Google it the other day because I was curious. I mean, I'm sure I Googled it back, you know, many years ago when we were starting this journey too, but it's so individual that, you know, it's hard to really put a number on that. Yeah. But insofar as you can, the number seems to be around $200,000. <laughs> to like live there. To be there. To set up a yeah. whole, you know, all of the farm crops, all uh-huh. of the livestock, all of the barns and the houses yeah. and the, just everything you need and all of the... You buy the land to start with. Right. Yeah. There's the land, um, you know, the solar and water mm-hmm. and all of that. You know, there's a lot that you need yeah. to be sustainable and to be self-sufficient. Do we have $200,000? Um, no, we absolutely do not have $200,000. We've never, we never in our entire had. lives. So part of what we're trying to do here is to kind of, you know, build as we can, as we have time for, and unfortunately, as we have money for. And never the twain shall meet. Yeah, time, <laughs> time or money. Your money. Yeah. We're pretty responsible, and, you know, we always make sure we have a few thousand in savings. I like to think of us as responsibly irresponsible. Okay. You know, a lot of people in our family, a lot of people back in the Midwest, they don't really understand what they're what we're doing. They don't understand why we would want to move to California in the first place, and then they don't understand why we would want to set up a mm-hmm. homestead where there isn't anything and like buy you know, a house in the city. Right, do the normal thing. Mm-hmm. But we're also doing it in a, as responsible and adult a way as possible because that's the only way to make things actually happen, mm-hmm. to take things from being a pipe dream into being something tangible. And we're not living paycheck to paycheck. Right. You know, that's a hard life, and I totally get why people have to do that. We're not we're not that poor, but, you know, we're also not really saving for retirement right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> retirement. If, if we make it that long. I don't plan on retiring because, like, I don't want to retire from life. And I hope that by that time, you know, I'll be, I'll be sustaining myself to a point where I need to keep working anyway, like just so I have something to do. Well, and not to get morbid, but you know, we're 34 and 35 in another 40 years when we would retire. Well, 30 years when we retire, like the world is pretty fucked up already. Yeah. It's hard to imagine what it's going to be like in another 30 years. I think mm-hmm. figuring out how to keep ourselves alive in 30 years is going to be more yeah. important than how many numbers we have. We're either going to be cyborgs or dead. <laughs> or dead. In 30 years. That's what I give us. Give our odds. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. We did a deep dive into our finances yesterday in order to clarify for ourselves whether or not we can responsibly order a yurt right now or not. Mm -hmm. Because 
were right on the border, right? We knew that we were on the border and that it was close, but we didn't know how close. And until we really read the numbers and got the concrete, you know, we love a spreadsheet (laughs) and we love Google Drive. So we just, you know, compiled all of our finances into a spreadsheet and ran the numbers. Mm -hmm. And in the process of doing that, we also just kind of took a step back through all of the money that we've spent on the property so far. And it it looks like we have thus far spent $65,000 on our homestead. Wow. We getting into the numbers now? Yeah, let's getting do into it. Getting gritty. Let's, let's do, do it. it. So $65,000 so far, um, which is so much money. It's the only thing we've ever really done with our money in a big way as adults. I mean, I took out a lot of student loans in my yeah. late 20s uh, for grad school. So I guess that kind of counts. And in our 20s, we would like save up a few thousand dollars to take a cool trip to take a trip, or something. Right. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, in a sense, $65,000 isn't that much for a lot of people our age, I guess. You know, like a lot of our friends are buying houses these days. Mm-hmm. Not in California. Nobody yeah. we know in California is buying a house. But our mm-hmm. friends back in the Midwest... We're not having kids. That was something that we've always felt pretty strongly about individually. And luckily, once we met, we still both felt that uh-huh. way. What um, do you think it costs to raise a kid? I also Googled that out of curiosity. And apparently $200,000 <laughs> is the magic number because apparently it also costs $200,000 to raise a kid, wow. like from birth to, you know, yeah. 18. Yeah, I guess a lot more, but... I'd well, that's not including college, too. Anyway. Oh, yeah. I think. Right. Anyway, sure. so... So we're up to 65000 yep. so far. Isn't mm-hmm. that like what we paid for the property? Well, the property we bought for 58000 Or okay. 58500 I think it was... 58.5, is that how you say that? <laughs> <laughs> numbers. I told you, I hate numbers. I got this. I think the total was $58,500. Uh-huh. Total for the property. We put down 45000 Which, again, so much money to just yeah, have and then not once. have. Yeah, we didn't get it as a big, like, we didn't get it in ones or anything and, like, throw it up in the air. We never had that <laughs> Roll much Roll around in cash. it naked. We had to get, like, a cashier's check. Right, right, right. And then get a life insurance policy for ourselves while we were traveling <laughs> with the cashier's check. That in case something joke. happened. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we got the owner to carry the remaining debts. Right. We didn't have to get out a loan or a mortgage for that because right. you can't do that with bare land anyway at a pretty decent interest yeah, rate. Yeah, so what that means is just that you pay back the owner directly for the remaining amount instead of taking a loan through a bank yeah. or something. So mm-hmm. uh, do 45000 down and then thirty-five or 13500 paid over the next five years. Yeah, five-year plan. So that's 275 a month. And there will be about $3,000 that we pay in interest. Right. So, so two seventy five a yeah. month is just added to our, our monthly expenses yeah. now for our 10 acres of land. <laughs> oh, yeah. And property tax is nothing, too. Like, having rented for the past, you know, my whole adult uh-huh. life, like, rent is like ten dollars to $20,000 a year. Yeah, our rent's 1400 a month. 1400 so 14 here. times 12 is a larger number. 17800 I think. <laughs> okay. But yeah, we paid property tax for the first time in our lives. That felt like an adult milestone, yeah, right? Yeah, super adult. And it's like 1% by law in California, your property tax can't be more than 1%. Eventually, when we build a real house and not just an under-the-radar yurt, um, the the property value will increase yeah. and it'll get reassessed and then we'll have to pay more in property tax. But didn't we just pass that amendment that's like it's whatever you paid I, for it in the 60s yeah, you get to pay for the rest of time? I think it still has to get reassessed. Okay. But anyway, I guess we'll report on that when that yeah, happens we'll too. Yeah, we'll find out. 
So out of that 65000 most of it went to the land itself, mm-hmm. which is legit. Yeah. Um, and then what else wh- What else makes up that sixty-five? Um, well, the first big project was probably the greenhouse. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was about $3,000. Well, 3000 just for the greenhouse, probably 1000 or 1500 for all the right. accessory the materials. and the bamboo mats and yep. the tubing and the underfloor mm-hmm. heating. The cement, and... And cement for the bricks around right. the outside, all, all sorts of stuff for that. Lighting. Lots of LED lighting. Yeah, just lighting around and like all the little projects around. Um, Right. You also bought a bunch of tools. Yeah, chainsaw, the weed whacker, wheelbarrow. Your uh, wet dry vac that you love so much. Oh, yeah, I love that thing. The track phone. Yeah. I mean, anytime we needed like building materials. Yeah. So it's it's all added up so Mm -hmm. far to about 65,000. Yep. And how have we saved that 65000 How have we paid that? Where did that money come from? Oh. How, how did we, as humans living in California, as hippies who aren't good at making money living uh-huh. in California, how did we pay that? Well, we've been slowly socking it away. The past year or so, I've been doing this cool trick where anytime you get paid, you round down your bank balance to the nearest hundred and you put the rest in your savings. So, and you do that at the beginning, mm-hmm. right after you get paid, so you don't run out of money. Right. Smart. Um, so, yeah, one little way. Just <laughs> try to sock away money wherever you can. We've been doing that for like five years, working hard at like normcore jobs. and. Well, I wouldn't call Greywater and TV shows normcore jobs. <laughs> normcore California. <laughs> I guess. A lot of people work production. A lot of people work seasonal. It's true. Sure. Um, but, yeah, we've just been saving. That's how we did it. Yeah. So I worked in TV production for a few years um, as an assistant and then a production coordinator. The most I've ever made is 1200 a week, I think, which I made when I was temporarily living in San Francisco and working for a million dollar listing TV show, um, which is the most I've ever made in my life. And even six years later, $1,200 a week still seems like yeah. so much money. However, in production, there's a reason they give you day and week rates, and it's because 12-hour days is the norm. So, you know, there's a trade-off for for making that. Um, I also worked as an events coordinator for the LA Philharmonic. That was my my most recent job before I quit to freelance with mixed success. Um, I made, I think, like 25 an hour at that one, um, which was decent, but, you know, not great. Not mm-hmm. amazing, but especially like for living in California. While, you know, while I'm working too, we were. That's probably when we yeah, saved the there most was money one year. one shining year when we were both working full time W two jobs uh-huh. and never saw each other or our dog yeah. and were miserable and stressed out all the time. Mm-hmm. Like, why does it have to be one or the other? Yeah, it's so stupid. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, I have been an installer. For the past five years, Greywater installer. And well, installer and foreman, then designer and, designer and then site foreman. Yeah. Yeah. I started at 18 an hour, I think, uh, five years ago and wound up at 30 an hour. Now that I've quit, I'm, you know, like just an independent contractor consulting, doing occasional training or whatever, catching them up on jobs that right. I was on. I got a bump to $40 an hour, but it's not going to be as much work and I got to pay taxes on it too. Right. Um, yeah, so far you're working like one day a week on average, yeah. which is great for you. And I'm really, ha- I'm, I'm still totally happy that you quit your job because you deserve it. Mm-hmm. But 
I really, really hope I get a full-time W-2 job soon because we need to be able to keep moving forward on our property and not just treading water. Yeah, and now we have no jobs. Yeah. So the way that we've actually literally been saving the money is we have a separate Capital One account, like a money market, high interest rate account, which I do recommend. Because on the one hand, it's just easier to have it live in a place that isn't your normal bank account. So you're not tempted to spend it. For me, at least it's a very psychological thing. Like money goes into Capital One, but it does not come out Mm -hmm. unless it's for something big for the property. Once it's there, it belongs to the property. And if I take it out, it's like I'm stealing it from the property. We've taken a real step backwards. We're really failing. Right. Um, And it's nice to have the high interest rate too. You know, I, I think back when we were right before we pulled the trigger on buying the property, and we still had like, you know, $45,000 in there. We were making like 12 bucks of interest or something Every a month. month. Yeah. yeah, that was crazy. So think about that. Look into that. See if it works for you. But it also comes down to when I say lifestyle choices, I Im- immediately feel like I have to walk it back because there are so many people in this country and in this world that like no amount of lifestyle choices can solve having to work four jobs to support your family. Like that is not... a There's a level of lifestyle choices, and then there's just, like, the system is broken. Luckily for us, we are privileged enough that working jobs and making lifestyle choices helped us get to where we wanted to be and helped us meet our goals. But, guys, we had no life. Like, even before the pandemic, we didn't go to see movies. We didn't go to restaurants. We didn't go to bars. We didn't go on vacations. Yeah, We sacrifices. haven't done any of that in so long. And in a way, it's easier in the pandemic now to save money because mm-hmm. there's just none of those things are options anyway. Yeah. But even before the pandemic hit, we didn't do much. Mm-hmm. Not much that costs money anyway. And most things cost money. Like even in the pandemic, we have, we've ordered takeout like four times total, mm-hmm. maybe, over the course of a year. Yeah. So it is, it's not an insignificant sacrifice, at mm-hmm. least for me. Maybe you don't care because that's not the sort of stuff that you're into anyway and all you really care about is the property. But as somebody who's into events and the arts and occasionally going out to bars with my yeah. friends, like, it, it's, yeah. it's a sacrifice that I'm consciously making. Well, I think the pandemic, like drastically wrecked everything more than our lifestyle choices but i was already starting to notice you know it's been a year and a half now since we've had the place just you know i used to like going on road trips leaving the state like doing a weekend trip to wherever right yeah we haven't gone on a vacation right now it's just the property that's our single focus that's our goal and why you know i'm okay with the the choices the sacrifices i made but there definitely have been you know, opportunity costs to have in this place too, that all of our spare time and all of our spare money goes to the property. And thanks again for going along with that. Yeah, it's an adventure and I like an adventure. And one other thing that's worth mentioning, um, because I think it's important to be totally honest and upfront, I also inherited $15,000 when my grandparents died a couple years ago. Um, you know, 15K out of 65 is only a small chunk. I st- we still had to, like I said, scrimp and save for mm-hmm. a very long time. But the fact remains that without that $15,000 that I inherited, we absolutely couldn't have purchased the land when we did. Yeah, so. there's no way the two of us alone 
it bears repeating. The two of us alone could not right. do this. You know, there are so many people behind the scenes totally. who help make this happen. Totally. And then there's the your mom factor. My mom, who's living with us now, um, mm-hmm. contributed 5000 uh, at the beginning, right. uh, which was definitely helpful, but, you know, not a game changer. But now, speaking of sacrifices... <laughs> Uh, we're all living together. We are all living together, as we've mentioned on a few occasions in a one-bedroom apartment together. You know, it's a complicated and difficult world out there financially for Mm -hmm. everybody right now, including us. Part of the part of the sacrifices. Yeah, and without her unemployment contributing to our collective household and to the property, we'd be screwed. So she's also an absolute crucial piece of the puzzle. Like. I don't think that it would be possible for us, just the two of us alone, to even in 10 years have done all this. Mm. If we were working full time? I guess, yeah. We just would have had to suck it up and work worse jobs for longer. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I'm hoping so hard to find a full time job soon. I'm trying so hard. I'm applying every day. It's so demoralizing. Yeah. You got an Um, interview coming up, right? Because even if we can, yeah. Because even if we can afford a yurt, and to work on our homestead generally, we're not stable and it's not sustainable. And we need at least one of the three of us to have a full-time job at any given time. And right now that's zero. So if I can make that one uh-huh. and like free up you and your mom to spend more time actually yeah. on the property working, to doing the labor while I earn the income, I would be happy to do that. And I really hope that that reality can materialize soon. Mm-hmm. Well, if ours were flexible, I think it'd be fine you know if all three of us just worked like 10 hours a week yeah that would be great you know that'd be my ideal right now yeah I can do that but I, I can tell so, you yeah. at least for me personally after almost two years now of freelancing that was what I was I was hoping for like 25 hours a week and it is just it's so hard to cobble together mm-hmm. as much as you want or as much as you think yeah so all of that brings us back to where we started, the yurt. And how we're going to pay for it. And how we're going to pay for it. Because we can't move forward with our goals and our life until we have it, mm-hmm. I think. It's like the next big step. Yeah. But I also don't want to completely screw us financially just so we can say we have a yurt, you know? Yeah. How do you make that decision? We just finally sat down, looked at all of our mm-hmm. collective accounts, added it all up, figured out how much we've spent already, and then how much we need as that cushion in case, you know, God forbid something happens to us or the dog or the cars. Right. We've spent 2000 so far on the yurt platform materials. Mm-hmm. Uh, the 16-foot yurt that we want to buy costs $9,000 approximately. Okay. Um, and the bamboo flooring and that we want to put in and renting a truck to pick it up are going to come out to, we figured, about another 1000 So okay. like 10000 total to from here till yurt. $10,000. Okay. How much do we have? Do we have $10,000? Yeah. We have a little bit more than that. Okay. We so, have enough for just a little bit of buffer, our $3,000 buffer. Yeah. So what we decided we wanted to do is we're going to do our taxes next week um, and see what the situation is there. Hopefully Probably we'll get some money we'll back. Some money back. Okay. Um, but if we owe money, like it's good to know that now before we buy a yurt. Um, and then there's, you know, the stimulus checks theoretically still coming to us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It sucks to have to plan on things we're not in control of. Like our tax return or, you know, a stimulus check. Right. 
Yeah, I mean, there's the principle, like, I don't want a handout, but yeah. honestly, that doesn't bother me because fucking tax the billionaires, you know? Like, I'm not yeah. ashamed of getting money from the government in a time of crisis. Uh-huh. But it, like you say, it sucks because we're not in control of it. And so if it just doesn't happen, mm-hmm. there's nothing we can do to change that. And then that has a major effect on our financial life. Yeah. And that sucks. So... Like I said, we'll do our taxes next week, see what the situation is, and then hopefully we will order the yurt a few days or the next week after that. Hope so. It's like an eight to ten week lead time. Yeah, yeah. So you got to put half down at the beginning, mm-hmm. half down when you place the order. Yep, and then half down when you when we pick it up in ten, ten weeks, eight to ten weeks. Oh, I hope we're not poorer by yeah, then. Yeah, what if we're poorer by then? Like... We do just need to order it, and it is mm-hmm. only half down, which we can absolutely do right now. But what if by the time we have to put the other half, we're poorer? Well, we have to do the responsible, irresponsible thing and not think about it too much harder than we already have. Yeah. And talk ourselves out of it. But I think we are we can do this safely. Yeah. And still have like a, a three-month buffer till the bottom. Yeah. I worry about money so much, which I hate. It's so stupid of all of the things to be anxious about. Money pisses me off more than almost anything else. But it's hard. It's hard not to when so much depends on it. Yeah. Do you worry about money a lot? Of course. I think everybody worries about money. And if they have more of it, you know, that's for a reason. And they're going to worry about not having more of it. Yeah. kind of has to do with your upbringing, I guess. I grew up poor without really knowing that we were pretty poor. Right. Um, So I think seeing, you know, the way I grew up and and knowing in hindsight, like, how close we were to the bottom, I feel feel pretty secure in my life right now. Good. Yeah, I think conversely, I grew up upper middle class thinking that I was middle class because I lived in a place where a lot of the other kids who went to my school were richer than my family. Like some of them lived in legit mansions in like mm-hmm. gated communities. And we certainly didn't do that. We had like a standard, well, what I thought was a standard, mm-hmm. like, I don't know, four bedroom house or something split level with a basement. You weren't, you've yeah. been to my childhood home. It's, it's nice. It's mm-hmm. not like a mansion, Yeah. but it's in any nice case, upper middle class suburban home, it raised me. And also just like my parents who are very Midwestern Protestant work ethic you know, they're certainly not fixated on money, but they're not not fixated on money. They're fixated on the concept of like stability, you mm-hmm. know, and I think there are a lot of arbitrary milestones or thresholds that I hold without even meaning to or without wanting to and like standards that I hold myself to and beat myself up over not reaching because of the way that I was raised. Like it, I always sort of assumed, I think, that I would at some point become an adult with money and <laughs> that like I wouldn't have to worry about it at some point. And, you know, maybe if I had made other choices, different choices, that probably would be true. Like I could be in the Midwest working a more reasonable job right now. Mm-hmm. We could own a house and probably even some land. Yeah. But, you know, my chosen choices. career is in the arts and that means I make very little money unless I win the lottery and magically make a ton of money on a really successful piece of art. But As I pass my mid-30s, I'm starting to try to adjust my thinking. Like, if I'm just poor for the rest of my life, if this is the best that it gets, like, where does that leave me? And that is one of many reasons that the property seemed appealing to me. It's just, like, to totally break the paradigm, 
You know, it's not that I'm failing to buy a house or to get two cars, get nice furniture or whatever it is, you know, whatever standards of middle class success I have ingrained in my brain, despite not wanting to and not valuing money and not valuing all of those things. It's still those are ingrained in me mm-hmm. in a way that like, sure, living in an apartment is sort of a failure, but living on a homestead is just like breaking the whole system. Yeah. You know? To me, it's like it's so much more literal even than like, you know, we we got this house with a mortgage from the bank and really the bank owns it, but like yeah. we pretty much own that place and when you're there it's like a damn rock, a huge like <laughs> multi-hundred ton rock that you just own. Right. There's that's a real like powerful feeling for yeah. me. Yeah. And that's I feel rich in those moments. Yeah, I think Capitalism sort of puts us on this continuum, right, of failure to success, poor to rich. And Mm -hmm. it's just a one line that you move up and down. And either you're more successful and you're richer or you're less successful and you're poorer. And it's only that one direction back and forth you can go. But what we've done, I like to think, (laughs) is like gone... 90 degrees the other direction, you know? Yeah, Yeah, we've broken ourselves out of that, like, how many bedrooms does your house have? Mm -hmm. How many rocks does your house have? (laughs) How many acres and how many, how much Mm -hmm. rain catchment and how many wildflowers? It sounds so fucking hippy-dippy to put it that way, but I, I think it's important because that can start being a way to break ourselves of the other continuums that we've been locked into mm-hmm. without our consent. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm trying to stay positive in my life as I've as I've said it could be a lot better, it could be a whole lot worse. Mm-hmm. I don't have the money right now to make all of our dreams come true and that's really frustrating because I have the time and the talent yeah. to to make it like right. I do whatever it took I work you know day with yeah. day and night without sleeping but in the meantime I have a dog who loves me unconditionally <laughs> I live indoors <laughs> yeah in a cozy uh cramped apartment yep. with my mom and my wife <laughs> Who could ask for anything more, right? <laughs> we eat well. We haven't killed each other yet. So that's a dream, too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm I'm really trying to value those things more as I get older and wiser, hopefully more mature. Mm-hmm. I'm very ambitious, naturally, and not in a money sort of way, but just in a, I don't know, you're the protagonist of your own life, you know? And so I always implicitly assumed that if I tried to be a TV writer or I tried to be a playwright, right, eventually I would be a wild success Mm -hmm. because that's how the stories go. You don't tell the story of the person who failed. You tell the story of the person who succeeded and you're the protagonist in your story. So why would your story not? You know what I mean? Like I just implicitly, and it's a matter of, you know, just ingrained optimism too. I, I am blessed with a certain amount of just like unshakable hope for the future. But what I'm learning the older I get and the more mature I get, I think, is that it doesn't need to be that trajectory. You know, my life will not be a failure if I don't become a famous TV writer and win an Emmy. Like, that would be great. I still kind of want that. But if that doesn't happen, it doesn't mean, like, throw the story in the garbage. Mm -hmm. Well, and how sad would it be if you got exactly what you wanted when you were 14 and like now you're 29, <laughs> 31, whatever. Um, the dream hasn't changed at all and you've got it. Like that's kind of sad in that those years you didn't grow and change at all. I think we should embrace change. Yeah. And 90% of, of the people who get that 
are miserable anyway. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't fix They're anything. It. it doesn't, yeah, mean anything. So anyway, yeah, enjoy your journey. Like let it take you. Let it change you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And that's again part of why I like this homestead is it resembles nothing like the life I thought <laughs> I would have when I was eighteen or nineteen years old. And in that, I can neither succeed nor fail. Yeah. I can only live the adventure. I can only experience it. Yeah. That's what it's all about, experiences. Yeah. So that's the money talk. Yeah, that's the money stuff. <laughs> we put a lot of numbers on it, but we also just talked about our feelings a lot. And that's okay, too. Yeah. Um, we could definitely do what we're doing for more money and make it happen faster or nicer or whatever. Yeah. Uh, you could probably do it cheaper, too. A little cheaper. Um, you could buy less land or, you know, buy it somewhere. Other than California. Yeah. There are, like, police auctions or government auctions, stuff like that. Right. Or railway right-of-ways. Like, you can get some dirt cheap land if you really look for it. Um, and if you don't, if you're not attached to your criteria, mm-hmm. to attach to where it is or how yeah. big it is or what features it has on it or whatever. If you're, like, really hardcore and you don't care about ever taking a shower <laughs> or being indoors, you could, like, live there. Like... Yeah, if we weren't paying rent in L.A., we could be doing a lot more on the property. But mm-hmm. where, <laughs> how would we, we make the money that we made without living in a city where we have a job. Buy the dirt cheap land and really just live off the land. You don't even get to buy tools. Yeah. You have to make tools out of it the land. Sounds painful and exhausting. Yeah, I don't really want to We're not do like that. against civilization. Yeah, yeah, but we're trying, you know, we're somewhere in the middle. We're trying to be as frugal as we can. Yeah, in all things, the middle path, right? Yeah. Always the middle path. Take the middle path. So after we get this yurt, fingers crossed, next week... Um, I think it's going to be just a lot of smaller projects for a long time, right? You mean when we order the year next week? We won't get right. it for like three months yet. Right. We want to build a deck outside. Mm-hmm. Outside the yurt, the yurt. Around the yurt and an outdoor kitchen. Uh-huh. We want to plant a lot more food and mm-hmm. gardens. And if your mom moves up to live in the yurt, she'll be able to tend to those plants year-round, which is one of the things, the main thing that's kept us from yeah. planting a lot of food already mm-hmm. is that we're gone for a month at a time and yeah it's not conducive and to taking care of plants can't take care of plants here in glendale and up in mariposa mm-hmm. at the same time unfortunately so yeah getting getting somebody up there close to full time yeah it's coming eventually we want to build a house like a big proper house that i, I want a huge like space in the front a huge gathering space for like retreats or parties or whatever but, I mean, it's just so far off and it's so expensive that we literally just can't even think about it right now. I have it penciled in for 10 years in my brain <laughs> and we'll see if that even happens. Yeah, I think before we got the land, I spent a lot of time thinking about that and, you know, drawing pictures. It's like you do in high school. You draw mm. your dream home. Yeah. And so it's it's funny that I have not really given that any thought since we bought the property because it is so far away. Right, and there's so many real projects in the meantime yeah so many projects that lead to that that yeah. you know it's not even worth thinking about we're yeah. so far off yep but hopefully the yurt soon hopefully the yurt yeah. will order next week make that big monetary leap mm-hmm. but i think that'll be the key to to moving on to the next phase thanks for tuning in this yeah week. thanks for listening to us talk about money for a while um hope you're doing okay out there health wise financially stay safe stay Clam? Stay clam? Stay clam and carry on. Oh, God. Stay clam and carry on. (laughs)
Bye. Bye. Sorry, I didn't know we were going.